And you're welcome to Wade In as we reflect on the weekend that was Betfair Super Saturday and all that came with that, the talking points, the highs and lows. We're going to go through footsteps to the festival this week. We're going to concentrate on the National Hunt Chase and the Grand Annual. We also have your listener questions and plenty of other topics to get stuck into as well in the company of the biggest LA Rams fan I never knew I knew, Mr. Kevin Blake. Kevin, Kevin. <laughs> I'm the Rams. <laughs> Rams. Rob God knows what Aaron out this morning watching the Rams win. I actually yeah. a big fan of NFL, but I was so tired coming back from Cardiff, and Cardiff absolutely broke me that I just went straight to bed and I missed the whole thing. So there you go. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan, but I, I only tend to watch the Super Bowl because I know if I follow it all season, I just end up ruining it. my... Uh, my sleep patterns and productivity. So I, I stay up for the Super Bowl. But that wasn't my biggest concern this morning, Hugh. I woke up this morning and I opened up my Twitter as I usually do. And I saw on the right hand side that trending in Ireland was Hugh. Oh, and I'm Christ. like, oh, sweet Jesus, what has he done now? So, yeah, I'm, just you know glad that, so I'm just glad that you're with us. <laughs> I've had to take two Xanax tablets after when you sent me that message on because I just, even, even the, I mean, the anxiety levels when I just see the. <laughs> what happened? What <laughs> point did I have last night and what did I actually do to trend? Twitter. Anyway, thank Christ, it'll never be me. Is that right, Tony Calvin? I'll never be trending on Twitter. We've, all, uh, we've all been there, haven't we? Waking oh, up, thinking, what, what the fuck hell happened? Hey, listen, I, I'm there more often than I'm not these days. What the, why did I engage with that person last I night? I saw a picture of you with um, Stephen Ferris at, in Cardiff. Yeah. He is one of my bad beat stories. Uh, when he was uh, in the early days with Ulster, uh, he was just whipping it up, and it was 33 to 1 about him. Um, Going with the Lions that year, well, the uh, year after, yeah, and, and I got some of that. And he, the silly bastard, got injured. Got injured. He got yeah. injured. I remember, uh, I mean, listen, he's uh, you know what, he's an absolute gent, but he's also an absolute giant. So yeah. he's probably the only guy in the living world that I could walk around the streets of Cardiff after a rugby match and feel entirely safe with. David Flatman but, reckons he's the uh, hardest hitter and the most solid body player he's ever come across. He is huge. My, my, my abiding Stephen Ferris memory is that you might not recall this, it's a small bit niche. He came back from a long injury and he came off the bench for Ulster. And the first play when he came back on the field was a kick got launched up that he chased. And the poor lad that caught it, he <laughs> literally picked him up and drove him back 20 yards. It was an absolute display. <laughs> yeah, he was an absolute monster. Speaking of monsters, hey, Vanessa, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I actually, all these references are just going straight over my head, honestly. I'm just sat here in my blue-ridden state you're, wondering yeah. what you guys are all on about. You're, you're, you're not feeling the May West. I mean, it's not self-inflicted this week. We can say to our listeners no. that this is genuinely not your own fault. No, but I don't know. Also, I'm not really registering. Like, I've never ever woken up with any regret or worries so I don't know where <laughs> Tony comes from that's because you can't remember anything Vanessa that's because you can't remember anything you've never woken up with regret I wake up every single day with regret and that's only what I posted on Twitter the night before let alone anything else not, right. not for me Tony not for me well let, let us not regret anything let us not regret anything we're going to say over the next hour or so on the show but we do have some racing to get stuck into we're going to talk about um <laughs> slightly more uncomfortable topics a little bit later on we have all your questions aside but we get it stuck in with the weekend that was first of all and Edward Stone I was thinking of you Vanessa yeah. as Edward Stone yeah. absolutely smashed in and your third time lucky Arkle bet probably seems a little bit uh, thin even, even in the without Ireland market <laughs> even oh. in the without Ireland market but you have, <laughs> Vanessa, even, even you Vanessa with your position had to be impressed by what you saw were you not? Oh, yeah, I was really impressed by Edward Stone. I was obviously, people will know by now, I'm a third time lucky fan. I was disappointed in him. I'll touch on him in a minute. But just in terms of Edward Stone, somebody said afterwards, I think it must be on ITV, that, you know, he's just, he, he just gradually turns the screw. He doesn't kind of do anything too flamboyant throughout the race or anything that really makes you go, wow. But at the same time, he's just, he's accurate with his jumping. He's got high cruising speed. And then he just gradually throughout the race turns the screw to turns the screw and things can't go with him. He's a worthy favourite in that Arkle market now. It's one of the races I'm really looking forward to at the festival. As for third time lucky, you know, he was ridden the same way he was ridden at Doncaster in a much deep, well, in a better race against the better opposition on Saturday. And he just didn't deliver at all. I was surprised when he made that mistake at two out, how the stuffing was knocked out of it. That mistake seemed to sort of take him from travelling to empty very, very sharply. And so that gave me the impression that he wasn't at his best. I don't think that was the real third time lucky, but now we're just, you know, the pattern of which he races, it's starting to become a bit, he's not very consistent. Um, if they go to the Arkle with him now, he deserves to be the price he is, if not a touch bigger. He's probably an each way bet now, but there's no, no 
diluting the fact I was disappointed in him. I just don't know what the answer, I don't know why he, I don't know what the excuse was from Saturday. Mm. And I don't know at Cheltenham how he's going to be able to turn the tables with Edward Stone. Is he still at 12 to 1 though? Is he still worth consideration for you? I mean, like you're obviously going to have to think about it between now and then. You might be able to come up with reasons why he could turn. Or do you think that Edward Stone is just fundamentally a better horse, do you think? Uh, I, I, no, I, like I say, I don't think he was a third time like he wasn't at his best on Saturday. Mm. That's not a true reflection of them on their top form. I think third time lucky could potentially get closer to him, but his lack of predictability for me, his unpredictable nature is making me worry about him come March now. And is the real third time lucky going to show up? I just don't know. Kevin, Edward Stone, a clear favourite, as Vanessa said, around about twos, nine to four, 15 to eight, depending where you look. Blue Lord, 11 to four, Riviera to tell, four to one. Um, the Irish challenge there. Is Edward Stone a deserved favourite, as Vanessa says? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's England's best chance. Um, might be controversial. I think he might be their best chance on day one. And despite the supreme, I, I think he's the one in the article. Um, love this again. He's just like, in, you know, he had a bit of a, a few blips in his first couple of starts over fences, but, um, you know, he's just been so good this season um, after the first day. You know, he's very clever. He's very efficient. He needed to be clever a few times the other day. Now he was on the wrong stride. He had to shorten and he, and he did it without getting himself in trouble. Uh, and you just really like him. And I know look, some would point to his hurdle form and say, well, he wasn't a, a tip topper over hurdles. And he wasn't. Um, but he was the highest rated hurdler of any of these at the top end of the Arkham market. You know, the likes of Blue Lord and, you know, R- Riviera de Tell, they weren't tip toppers. You know, Edward Stone was rated higher than them all. Mm. And he's clearly a notably better chaser. Um, like he, he did enough at Cheltenham, you know, over, albeit over hurdles to suggest that, you know, the track, you know, should be fine for him. Uh, and I think he's rock, rock solid. I think he's uh, got a great chance. Love the horse. Tony? Last word to you on this one before we change topic. Are you in agreement? Yeah, I, I think, what's it, 3.4 on the exchange? I think it's a fair representation. As Kevin said, you haven't got any grade one winning hurdlers lurking no. in, in the background here, as you got with likes of Bob Ollinger and Galapond de Champ. So, yeah, um, there's, there's a horse I do like in the race. We'll come to later when we do footsteps for the festival. But, yeah, um, I think the bad news for, for Vanessa is I, I'm inclined to think third time Lucky did run his race. Uh, and Edward Stone is just a five-length better horse minimum. Do you? Do you really? uh, I, I thought he got a lovely spin around third time, Lucky. I couldn't find but, an excuse. Uh, no, I agree. I agree with you guys in the sense of he did get a lovely spin around. He travelled there well. But that when you watch back the replay, the mistake he makes at the second last, the way the gauge just went from like seemingly travelling okay to just flopped it like relatively mm. not, not a huge amount there. I'm just not sure that is that really his true running? Like... Yeah. There was no, he didn't find, you know, then when Harry went for him, it was like Harry went from thinking I could win this race to, yeah. oh crap, I'm definitely not winning this race very, very quickly. And that's Vanessa, the, the, third, the third time Lucky Express, it's it's slowing down. You know, if you jump off now, like you might graze a knee or something, but jump off before it crashes. It's going to crash. You <laughs> might get your money back in the county hurdle. I don't know. <laughs> oh, guys, uh, you're really, kidding me here. Really? Really? Okay. <laughs> Um, Tony, I, I want to ask you first of all about Brave Man's game because yeah. I actually thought what he did was quite impressive. Then afterwards yeah. on our WhatsApp group, you put up, look, you know, you thought it was okay, but nothing yeah. special. Um, but but given, I guess, and here's what I wanted to ask you, given that subsequent to that, Clannes Oba was beaten and then Hitman was beaten, does that not maybe um, heighten Brave Man's game's performance a little bit a little bit further or what you, are you still thinking it was just an okay performance? Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, I thought it was a little bit of a labour performance uh, visually, but... When, you, when you're looking at, you know, he's giving £18 to a recent winner, albeit from a stable, hasn't had a winner since December. Uh, on the forms and figures, it was probably a career best. And, you know, it's the people like Kevin have been pushing for these good horses to be running off top weight in these kind of handicaps. And it seems like it worked from a betting point of view. Um, it probably didn't work from a numbers point of view because there were 17 in there at the four day stage, and we ended up at uh, five day stage, we ended up with four. But mm. yeah, I'm, I probably I was underwhelmed visually, but I think if you look into it uh, from a form perspective, it's probably bang up there. And like you said, if the, the fact he was like able to post that kind of effort with his stable still under a crowd, uh, cloud, and they are given what you said about the likes of Hitman and Clan and Zobo, uh, yeah, you, you probably had to be very impressed, yeah. but but. And, and I'm, I'm struggling point, against Gallop and Deschamps, yeah. Oh, well, just on that point about the form, I was quite surprised watching I was at Utoxeter on um, Saturday 
being terrible on the television actually and I what saw Red Risk Red Risk win up there under Brownie Frost obviously shortly after Brave Man's game had won and then when I watched the replays back when I got back home from ITV I was surprised that everyone was like oh that's it Nichols horses are out from under the cloud happy days mm. you know that Red Risk won a terrible race that you talked to to thrown in in a lesser grade race than he'd seen for a long time and brave man's game was much the best winning a race that he was entitled to win i think it's it was wrong to draw conclusions that the nichols horses are out of this cloud all of a sudden just because they had mm. two winners in quite close proximity mm. yeah okay fair enough um kev brave man's game just on tony's point would you have been beating on the drum um, since as long as I've known you, which is to put these top horses into handicaps, it makes them more competitive. It makes it a better story. The fascination of giving weight all around it here. And I, I completely agree on Saturday. There was this big question mark, not stable form aside, could Brave Man's game give away 48 stones to these horses and win them? <laughs> that made it an interesting dynamic, I thought, no? Did, of course it did. Like, it, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. And it only happened here because Nichols gave it a crack. Like, you know, my, my thing all along has been, you know, convert these graded races to handicaps and force them to do it. You know, such would be the, the, the apparent unwillingness for trainers to do it off their own back. And here Nichols has gone and done it uh, and done it with, with his, you know, he owed his yard, you know, under a bit of a cloud. You know, he, I just, I, I, I'm a huge Paul Nichols fan. You know, if, if every trainer campaign like Paul Nichols campaign this horse, the game will be better. Definitely much better, I dare say. And um, it, it, I thought this was a good performance from the horse. Like he, he's a particularly good jumper, has been the whole way through. Um, he, but he wasn't as good as he has been. But he, in not being as good, he probably showed more about himself in that he needed to be. Um, he was quite short at a few and needed to be very clever. And um, and he managed that. You know, he does it just out to his right, just a tiny bit. It's not the first time he's done. It. It's not 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 a concern as such, but it's worth noting because it happened. Um, but I, I really like the horse. I love the way Nichols' campaign, and not just here, but, you know, taking on Itchy Feet and Fusa Raffles and his first couple of starts over fences, like just game stuff, interesting, engaging stuff. Um, like you'd swear they're campaigning the horse purely for the race course benefit um, in terms of engagement, like, but um, the horse, has, it hasn't been to his detriment. He, and look, he's really well-armed for wherever they point him at Cheltenham, assuming he goes to Cheltenham. Um, the memory of him getting kicked out of the way by Bob Ollinger will stick with people, um, no doubt, but that was over hurdles, and that's over, this is over fences, and he has adapted extremely well to fences. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be holding that memory of the, whatever it's called, the Ballymore um, too yeah. close when, you, when you're evaluating him going forward. Any of you got concerns still over Paul Nichols' stable form after the weekend and heading closer to Cheltenham? Or do you think by the time Cheltenham comes, it's not actually that big a deal for whatever reason? Or any of you got genuine concerns about backing his horse for Cheltenham now? Not no? for Cheltenham, but in, in, no, in, in, in the short term, yes. Yeah, they, they, they feel, you, you feel like they're, they're coming. You know, they're coming oh, and he's got okay. four weeks to work with and that's loads Yeah, um, yeah. With, with race horses. And I, I suspect they'll be, I'd like to think they'll be, they'll be you know, the revs will be at the max for, uh, for, the, for Cheltenham. Kev, journey with me in the Ballymore, I think still five to one. Uh, yesterday, who's an all winner of the Ballymore. I mean, I'm amazed. Actually, I thought it was an okay, okay performance. Yeah, certainly didn't take my attention all that much. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I really like the horse. I like them all along, but this this was no doubt this was properly workmanlike. Um, yeah. Now, mitigation, they crawled for the first circuit. Like, crawled on, until he took it up. Um, like, his jumping is on the borderline of only okay you know it's solid um, but but no better than that and look he was ultimately well on top but he should have been booting these out of the way and he didn't um the the pace was probably a, a bit of an issue there but um he'll go into cheltenham i suspect you know a relatively short price because you know people will make the inevitable comparisons with bob ollinger who he shares a very similar profile with yeah um but he hasn't you know the form has worked out well from his maiden hurdle clearly but I was I, I was hoping for more here now for a horse with, with his sort of profile and reputation. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you absolutely. And that Ballymore picture still is just a huge question. The fact mark that over. he was unchanged in the market after it says all you really need in this to day know and because, age. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he actually drifted on the exchange. Well, really? there you go. Like wow. they just de they only have to breathe for them to change them. So the what? fact that yeah. Hen Henry stable form, slightly more positive signs in recent days. Grasping, <laughs> yeah. not not quite there yet. Maybe, but maybe on the way back. Yeah. What about Glory Fortune, uh, Vanessa in the Betfair hurdle? Um, not quite the same caliber I thought of last last year's winner, but uh, 
Were you impressed? I, I think what's the market now? 40 to 1 for the uh, champion hurdle. Can't be having any of that. Can you? Yeah, no, won't be having any of that. But um, good performance was pleased for Stan Shepard, actually, is probably like one of the undercurrent stories of the season. He's seems he's having a good time of it. He's riding, I think, really well a couple of times. He's, you know, catches the eyes, giving the horse quite a clever ride. Um, and also he just seems like one of the really genuine good guys of the weighing room. Um, so I was I was actually very pleased for him and Tom Lacey, who, you know, Tom Lacey can do this occasionally with big price horse. You've seen him do it with graded hurdlers as well and the way in which he runs his business and has the point to point side and sells and you know it doesn't mean that he'll always be up at the very top punching in big Saturday races but we often well not often but a few times in the past we've seen him land um, a big pot with a bigger priced horse and uh, you know this what was it 20 to 1 in the end I've no interest in him for a champion hurdle um, no. but you know he's gained to stay on at the end in, in the finish from that Twiston Davis horse who's probably a little unlucky maybe well, I was I, I actually found it a bit of an uninspiring race all in all. And it's normally a race I love. I'm not entirely sure why that was. Me too. And that's why I said it because Soaring Glory last year I, I really captured my imagination. Yeah. I, you know, I did back him each way um, at the festival, but just this one for whatever reason, the winner didn't uh, inspire me at all. So I'm with you 100 percent on that. We should MTC give credit to uh, Dan Barber, you know, a, a stop clock and all that. Um, El Dorado Ali tipped up. 16 is now for uh, the Ryanair from 33 to 1. Um, but yeah, I don't think it was the most popular win. And for Dan, obviously, it was the rest of the like, No, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Christ, we have to give Barbara credit and the best horse that we wanted to win didn't win. What did you think, DZ? Um, yeah, we just looked, we just got the deck through for the Betfair Ascot Trace, actually. Uh, oh, yeah. that. And I suppose if you're looking to back Mr. Fisher at Ascot on Saturday, that was a that was a decent pointer given that what Mr. Fisher did to him at, at Kempton previously. But I don't think anybody thinks the uh you know the, the ones in behind ran their true races, did they? Yeah, fair play, picking up a pot. You know, got the got the run of the race from out in front, but I'm not sure where they go with him. But it doesn't have an obvious chance in Grade One company next time. I would have thought. I'd love to see him go to Aintree for the bowl. Yeah, there's a miss chant them all together. He's not going to win the Ryanair if Alaho shows up, and he's not good enough to win a Gold Cup. Yeah, and, and supplement him into the Gold Cup as well. They'd have to supplement him for 30 grand, yeah, exactly. Sure. So they've got to run it. If they run him, it's probably going to be in the Rhino, and I don't think he'd be winning that. And if they took him to Aintree, he'd get similar conditions to what he had at the at the weekend. He'd have to go, what was it, two and a half furlongs further for the Aintree Bowl. But yeah. I, that it didn't look to be stopping, and he might just get a weaker grade one there. If he is to snatch yeah. a grade one, that might be the one for yeah. him. Meet Clanders above there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you'd have to meet him again, but like you wouldn't be scared of that off the back mm. of last time. Yeah, um, last translation is um, interesting for this weekend. But look, TC, I'm sure your anti post piece will be going up in the next uh, 48 hours or so. And we'll see what you come down doing on. It, doing it immediately after this. Excellent. Okay, right. Well, I mean, um, tip up last translation. There you go. Just wrote your piece for you. Just a one liner. You said back lost translation. translation. Yeah. Full stop. No more, no Print. more needed for you, Tony. It's just job done. It's as simple as that. Send it to the sub editor there. Stick the headline. <laughs> Off you go. Um, okay, fine then. Uh, Fun and Bill Savola or Civola, twenties for the champion chase. Again, a bit like a glory and fortune, Kevin. I don't know how much interest anyone will have in regards to champion chase. He won obviously at the weekend, um, but is that pretty much as much as we can say about that? Uh, probably. Like he is coming forward a bit, I'd say. Um, he's probably coming forward a bit, but you know needs to needs to come forward a nice bit more. You know he was beaten that far by Shishkin back in back in April, but I think if they um if they met again, the margin mm. one assumes would be a, a bit bigger. But uh, look, he's got he's going the right way. I don't want to sound like I'm not going to be. He beat So yeah. Royal, who we know, you know, it didn't look like the normal So Royal in that he was kind of looked yeah. beaten a fair way out and kind of plugged away. Yeah. Um, Hitman a bit disappointing, late jump and let him down a small bit. Um, so uh, look, I think he's coming forward, but he's I don't think he's quite there yet. Well, the form's now in not near, isn't it? So Royal was actually giving him six pounds, so mm. he comes he comes off a four pound bet, uh, worse um, at the weight. So, 
Hitman Tony is a bit of an enigma, remains an enigma as well. You yeah. know, he was a big hype horse originally, you know, and then just faded, comes back into focus, fades again. I don't know. Is it just he's one of these horses you cannot trust? Is that just the way you have to um, I, I'm inclined to think that, you, you, you know, like with a lot of the Nichols horses, he just wasn't firing. I mean, I saw Barry's uh, natter with Nichols earlier, and mm. they, they're going to ditch Cheltenham and go straight to entry. Um, like two old grannies sitting over a teapot, natter with Nichols with Barry R. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Um, yeah, you can tell him that. Um, well, you, you just have. Just have. Um, now, I, 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 I was, I thought, you know, I'm a massive fan of the horse, but it was a, it was just a very flat performance, wasn't it? And look, hopefully, you know, a bit of spring ground, a bit later on, going straight to entry, fresh horse against some Cheltenham ones have been butting horns, uh, locking horns there. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't lost faith, but clearly it wasn't his true running. Hopefully, okay. It wasn't Okay, good stuff. Um, just we're going to move on to the footsteps of the festival then before we get to listener questions and a couple of issues, others besides. Um, the National Hunt Chase, Stackler is a generally a three to one a favourite for this ahead of Run Wild Fred. You have Capadano, who um, obviously fell last time out, but previous to that had kind of given a decent enough race to Bob Bollinger, if you remember. And then you have the likes of Vanillier at 300 through five, and etc. Fury Road is in there as well. National Hunt Chase, Kev, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky picture at this stage. I like Stackler. I'm a huge fan of him. Everything that we've heard of him, I remember him last year, um, you know, running in those longer um, hurdle races and stamina seems to be bring out the best of him to the key to him, which will play right into this race if he does go here, which we presume he will. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Um, and look, she, look, he's established a good level of form over fences already. Um, beat Farouk Delen last time, you know, kind of grounded out. You know, Farouk Delen has been kind of dancing every dance with Vanillier back in third. Um, so look, he's, you know, clearly deserves to be the price he is. Um, but just just like in profile terms, like I've really liked Run Wild Fred for a long time. And it's see, I, I was having concerns whether he'd go to this or not because Jigginstown, like, don't, run a lot of horses in this, which would probably surprise a lot of people. But you look back at what they've run in in recent years and it uh, numerically it's small and talent-wise it's pretty limited as well. But uh, Gordon's kind of gone out of his way a couple of times to to mention the National Hunt Chase for this lad. So hopefully yeah. he, he's convinced them to go for it because he has that that lovely profile. You know, we love a horse with, 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 with you know, a good chunk of experience. He's a second season chaser. Um, like he should have won the Irish Grand National last season, but for two kind of fluty jumps at the last two, when he needed big ones, he just wasn't brilliant and it cost him. Um, and look, he can throw in the odd chopper. He, he did it last time at Leopardstown, uh, made a bad mistake, came back and still ran, ran well. But um, he's just a, an experienced, um, straightforward ride, you know, very high level of form. You know, you'd be shocked if he's not bang bang there, and uh, you know, I'd still he'd be my idea of the winner still. Yeah. Um, okay. So just staying with this before we move on to the Grand Annual as well. Um, um TC, um, is there a bet at a, maybe a proposition even or something to keep an eye on at a bigger price here in the National Hunt Chase? I know it's not a race you're hugely fond of, but what's your uh, what's your position on it now? Uh, no, I had a look last night and actually yeah. zero appealed. Really? Uh, you, the, tree, the three mile sixer. Uh, Three mile six. Or what about you, Vanessa? It's one um, of those ones. Not a lot of people are going to have strong views on this race. It's just one of those races at the festival that yeah, come the day people are going to look at it. It's just it's difficult to get sense on, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's not. Yeah, like you probably said all needs to be said. But in terms of when I was looking at the prices, anyway, the difference between Farouk Darlene and Statler in price is probably a bit too large, given when they met last time. Um, Farouk Darlene is probably, as Kevin said, you know, second string to the Giggins House Town team. And I don't know, as Kevin's touched upon, if they will send two to it. So that's a bit of an uncertainty. But I quite liked his profile. He's obviously only had the three starts. He brings in a relatively good level of form. And then this form line with Statler, who's quite a short price favourite compared to his, what is it, eight to one? That probably doesn't seem the right price on what we saw. And when you watch that race at Nace back, I think I counted five pretty horrendous jumping, uh, er not horrendous, but significant enough jumping errors mm. from Farouk Dalen that probably took enough out of him, I would say. If they were to, if he was to jump a bit better, and he's not always been a bad jumper, I think he just got a few wrong. If he could jump a bit better, I think he could get closer to Statler. And then when you look at the prices, I don't think the prices are right about Farouk Dalen if he does go there. So okay. that was my in into the race, but tentatively, but I do like him. The way he traveled behind uh, in front of Statler, 
when they met and Statler, as, as Kevin said, sort of grounded out. Um, you know, I think that, I think they could be closer at the finish with a better jumping yeah. performance. If you are worried about yeah. running plans, I mean, breaking news, uh, the Betfair Sportsbook are going, no one I know bet from 10 a.m. tomorrow mm. on the festival. Ooh. So Here we if go. You are, if you are worried, close. If you are worried about running plans, again, it's like I mean, the one that I looked at in the race and I've looked, but I've looked at him in the two mile four and the three miles as well as Capadano. But how was he after his fall last time? Where is he going to go? Is he yeah. even qualified for the three mile six at the moment? But no, I, I couldn't see a bit in the race to be perfectly honest. Okay. Um, the grand annual then, and we saw a lot of kind of the, the main protagonists for this at this stage of it um, over the weekend. So um, obviously, including a brave Shask in that, from the Bilsavola, um, Hitman. Um, Ciel Dinej is one that interests me, Kev. Um, I know he's been, he's, he's, he's been kind of spoken about potentially in Arkle terms. I don't know if he's good enough um, to line up in the Arkle or if that's what the plan is. But if he was to go in the grand annual at the price he is, which I think is around about a 20 to 1 shot, Ciel Dinej would interest me. What's your view? Um, sure, look, it's difficult at this stage, obviously, marks, etc. Um, and like he's three for three over fences, yeah. You know, you, you wouldn't typically look. I know he it was, a, it was a rated novice chase that he won yesterday. Um, so like he could theoretically have a mark that, that gets him in off, of, off a you know decent weight, uh, for the grand annual, but uh, 16 to one, yeah. Interested to see where his connections point him and what they want to do because you know, it wouldn't be a shock if they wanted to go Arkle. And have a swing like he was only kind of a one forty hurdler, but he's definitely um, a better chaser. And I, I was impressed with him yesterday. Now he was good and strong. Um, yeah, yeah. The horse of Joseph's kind of put put it up to him there and looked like he might have him beat turning in. But um, Ciel Dinej, you know, was very strong late on. So um, look, weights, ratings, you know, r- really important stuff. I know uh, I'm going to stop talking now because I know Tony Calvin loves an anti post look at a handicap. But uh, I'll finish up. I'll finish up by saying that there's uh, in two casts still in a few bookmakers lists. Lads, uh, take him out. He's dead a long time ago, unfortunately. Okay, yeah, well, you know what, Tony Calvin, price blind, despite the fact that price blind pays no attention to price, he also pays no attention to marks or weights in handicaps, which is also very interesting. And entries as well. Entries, so we, so we haven't got the marks, entries, haven't got the weights, and all the other, yeah. all the other things yeah. that worried about. Them. But, but I like the fab, but I like the look of the fab, Tony. Yeah, yeah. And also, you've got the UK handicapper to throw into the mix. You're playing Russian roulette with any take Irish horse. Just take all out. could be given anything from three to seven pounds, no matter what, <laughs> yeah. you know, what side of the bed he got out. Yeah. Yeah. The, main, the, main, the main guidance for price players is what kind of name appeals to you, and then after that, everything else is irrelevant. I like, I like, I love the idea of picking out one horse in a handicap in total isolation so yeah that's really well handicapped when, <laughs> when you come to the race there's nine other bastard horses are a better handicap you think oh no it's only 10 for my list now it's absolutely yeah. nonsensical just yeah. wait until the entries yeah. and the weights come out I think they come out on the 22nd that's like that, that's like saying Stephen Ferris is a big guy. Well, he's a big guy, but not unless he, not if he's standing beside Andre the bloody giant, like you know. What <laughs> <laughs> no, he's like. Uh, and what I would say is that Brave Shaskin had finished uh, third uh, on Saturday. I don't think he'd have done his handicap mark 145 any harm because he was getting he was getting five pounds and he was beaten probably far enough to suggest if they are going to do anything, it would be minimal. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm a massive fan of that horse. I think he can jump a lot better than he did behind uh, Edward Stone the third time lucky as well. But it's, it's it's absolutely comical if you if you are betting without entries and weights, surely. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I listen. I know. I agree a little bit. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you had about five bets in the Grand January already. Yeah. yeah. Hey, if the if the Betfair Sportsbook put in one at six to four, he would be all over. <laughs> <laughs> he kept yeah, he's, 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 he's taking the long one and no bet option from tomorrow, though. Four. So, you know, was, the bookies are never wrong, Kev. He's 64 for a reason. Come they on, know, man. they know, <laughs> they know, they must know something. They're not stupid, these guys. You never see a poor bookie on a bicycle, <laughs> you never see one on a bicycle, eh? <laughs> um, okay, so then before we move on to um, other issues, can I ask you just in terms of the novice? chasing division so we have the oracle obviously the turners the brown advisory the greg's vegan sausage roll I, <laughs> by the way speaking of greg's i wasn't crying for the weekend i put up on our whatsapp group a picture of greg's the queues to get into greg what the hell are people queuing up to eat this job <laughs> no, do you know what that is Q? that's because greg's have set up a thing i can't remember what it's called but basically drug pay, dealing you pay one pound fifty yeah. And you queue up, or, and then you, you go on the app or something, you pay £1.50, <laughs> and then you queue up, and then they give you a bag of, 
like gone off food and people oh, were delighted. Joking. No, joking. it's called like it's called like chuck out one pound fifty or something. Oh my I mean, god! That's that explains that. <laughs> chuck out one pound fifty. Chuck up one pound fifty more. That is actually what is going on here. So basically, I saw someone did it the other day and they came up to me and they're like, "Look at all this stuff I got." What legally they're selling out of date food. No, oh it's not my. out of date. It's just like that after the end of the day stuff. Goes, yeah. it's obviously going in the bin. So for what? I, 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 I got bad. upset about it. No, food food wastage is a serious issue, lads. And you know, hey, hey. that's their way of dealing with it. You know, Send it around here. I just taught the entire Cardiff City and turned vegan, but I don't understand. No, so that. that's what's going on. I promise right. you, people are loving this. Chuck out one pound fifty. Chuck up one pound sure, fifty. I sure it wasn't one pound fifty. Then chuck up. Oh god. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, um, just give us. Okay, just in terms of the novice, um, um, the novice chasing division between the. Okay, between the Arkle, the Turners, and the Brown. Then, who is your most likely winner at this stage? If you're having one bet. And for me, it's Gallop in the Champ wherever he goes, if it's a tournament <laughs> or the Brown Advisory. Um, for yourself, Kevin Blake, who is it? I'd probably say Edward Stone, you know. Freddie okay. English. Come on, the lads. Wow. Right, okay. <laughs> yourself and Chapman, good stuff. TC, what do you think? Uh, no opinion in the two-mile four or the three-miler. I think the prices are as they should be. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I'm having a look at my bets. Of the, I just got stuck into the article on Saturday night and yesterday. Are you sticking with St. Sam? Yeah, I have now had, I'm reading it out, I've had £132 on the exchange at an average of 18.72. I backed him at 12s with a sports book on Saturday and Sunday morning. I've, mm. I've taken some nines and I'm running over elsewhere. I'm told the Arco is the plan, but it's winning, Lovely. so we yeah. won't know until Sunday. Uh, yeah. And I had a tiny bit around about 25s on the exchange for the two mile four, just in case Willie uh, hasn't got a runner in there and he decides to go there, but... Uh, no, what I saw of Sam same. I think uh, Sam same. I think he went far too quick. He stayed on really well. Can jump a lot better. Um, obviously got the Cheltenham form for second in the Boodles. Uh, I really like him. I still tens with the sportsbook. Whether okay. that will be there with a non-one I bet offer comes in, but I thought we'll tens is tomorrow. very very fair. We'll see tomorrow morning if it is. And Vanessa uh, Royal, your novice chaser to, to bet. Well, I think the I think controversially, I think there's going to be a British novice chase whitewash. Oh, um, come on! Four milers. So we're going to have oh Edward my. Stone followed by Le Homme Presse, followed by oh. Brave Man's Game. Oh, oh absolute, absolute Imagine. bollocks from Vanessa Ooh, Royal right there. Imagine. In they all go. Right? <laughs> so if that happens, Kevin's hair will look like Don King. You'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> Harry, I know you're listening. You please clip. I don't want to clip up and send to me so I can play the Vanessa after the. Hey, look! You're all just really relieved that I didn't put third time lucky in there because I couldn't. Right. Okay. You have to draw the line somewhere, don't you? The line of madness, Tony. The line of madness. Slightly more serious issue, guys. If you don't mind, because we have to talk about this. I'm slightly again. I'm surprised at the lack of in-depth coverage that this has received. A story around Sir Mark Todd and the footage that was released over the weekend of him um, hitting the back of a horse with a stick to encourage it to go into a water obstacle. And um, obviously uh, this gained a fair amount of traction on Twitter. I guess what really surprised me, Kevin, and again, I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't work with horses at all. And I know you had, you know, put, a, put up an explanation as well as, as to dealing with horses and the perception that sometimes from the outside of people who deal with horses versus those who do it regularly can, can differ remarkably. And I completely understand that. What, what, what is frustrating for me is the BHA have subsequently come out and said, look, we're going to look into this. We're going to investigate, blah, 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 blah. And he has apologized. And I just thought to myself, the reaction, the stark contrast between the reaction of the BHA to Sir Mark Todd and their um, immediate hanging high and suspension of Gordon Elliott um, not so long ago um, for something else. And I just thought the hypocrisy between the two reactions absolutely stinks. What do you think? Yeah, sure. Look, there's a few different layers this year. There's the incident itself. There's the... There's the public reaction, there's the um, regulatory reaction, as you say, which does differ. You know, they are different to what Gordon Elliott received and, and, and I suppose others. You know, they, these are all different cases, but they're in the same neck of the woods we're dealing with, I suppose. Um, bringing racing into disrepute um, is, is, you know, likely to be the main issue here. Um, incident itself looked clearly looked, looked horrible, um, shouldn't have happened. Uh, especially with with someone of um, Sir Mark Todd's experience and and background and everything about him, you know he's not a huge name in racing per se, but um, you know a, a legend in the field of eventing. 
and and it shouldn't have happened. Um, it's it, it's one of those like you you can see exactly you know when you when you deal with horses you can see exactly wh- what he was trying to achieve. He just went about it the wrong way. Like really, in, in a scenario like that, you know, would there have been uh, as much of a focus on what happened if he had went about it you know what, what would be seen as I suppose the, the correct way you know in a situation like that you know if he had a, a lunging whip you know which is I don't know eight or nine foot long very flexible bendy stick with a bit of a stringy rope at the end that you, you'd use for kind of longer range work with horses if you're if they're running around you in a lunging you have a you know flicking behind them to encourage them forward and in a situation like that when a horse is is refusing to go forward and isn't listening to the rider clearly you know there's look everything with horses is kind of an escalation of, of pressure you know and pressure not everyone would maybe understand the word in this context but pressure can be literally using your baby finger and asking a horse with a tiny amount of pressure to do something and a well-trained horse will do it for the for the least uh, for the least amount of pressure possible but when the horse starts getting a bit um resistant you know, you up the levels of pressure and you'll see the rider do this. They'll first ask with their hands, they'll ask with their feet, they might ask with the stick. And when you're working on the ground, you know, you, you can escalate again and, you know, applying the, the whole underlying concept is pressure and release. You'll basically apply pressure to a horse asking it to do something until they do it. And as soon as they do it, you release the pressure and the horse you know, hopefully works out that right. If I want to stop getting annoyed by this Egypt behind me, I'll do what he's asking me to do. And that stops the pressure and away he goes. And that, that's kind of a core underlying principle. And Sir Mark Todd there is applying, you know, a heavy amount of pressure in what looks to the eye, you know, quite an aggressive way. Um, but like really, if, if he could have his time again, he would have had a lunging whip in his hand and he would have went behind the horse and just tapped it. Tap, well, tap, the Kevin, tap, tap. Kevin, the Kevin, the Kevin, the people who are who, the Kevin people who, who would look at the video and be shocked and appalled by it will will take your words of applying pressure in another hand way and say he hit a horse with a stick. Yeah, look, he, he didn't have the, the right equipment. That was his problem. And he, he improvised, he picked up a stick oh, and, and he hit the horse a, a couple of slaps with it. He did the wrong thing, he shouldn't have done it. It looks horrendous, it was the wrong thing to do, you know. But it, what, what I'd say is while as bad as it looks, if he had the correct equipment, if he had a lunging whip and tapped, he, he probably would have got the same result. You know, I don't think anyone would have got upset by that. Um, he did the wrong thing and he, he's rightly getting a lot of scrutiny over it. He's, got, he's already um, got some consequences. There'll be more consequences to come. Um, but I like, and I just, I suppose we, we've been talking about this amongst ourselves, just, just to widen it out. We will widen it out in terms of the media response, in terms of the regulatory response. I, I just want to touch on the public response because I just find it a small bit frustrating myself that when we see um, something like this, um, you know, something like the, the Gordon Elliott situation, something like that, that woman uh, slapping that horse across the face, you know, at a hunt somewhere in England, you know, all of these things are clearly very wrong, shouldn't have happened. And but the, what frustrates me is, is it ignites this you know level of response and, and 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 aggression in terms of public response, and then you have a situation like um, you know the Stephen Mahan case, which, which was to me you know was a properly a proper case disgusting, of animal disgusting. animal abuse uh, and cruelty. Uh, and, and it just doesn't seem to generate the same amount of anger. You know, are we are we worried about? You know, there seems to be an element of playing the man rather than playing the ball at times, which frustrates me as someone that, that loves animals from the day I was born and, and works with horses every day. You know, my primary concern is, is horse welfare and care. And you get a situation like this where a horse got, got a few ba- tips around the arse and you have a situation like Stephen Mahan where horses genuinely it, it, suffer. It's, it's, is it the, is it the aesthetics? Is the, video, yeah, that, is the video content just, of that? It, yeah, of course, yeah. It just, it just for, you know, but the coverage is the coverage. And if you put it in front of someone, they'll react. But, you know, what actually happened is more important than what you actually saw, yeah, if you know what I mean. It, it, it frustrates me. Yeah, but that's the that, that it frustrates me too, Kevin. But that's exact. That's due to how we're consuming all this content in this modern day and age. That's due to the sort of ten second attention span that Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram has led us that rabbit hole that that those platforms have led us down. Because now, for ten seconds, someone sees that video of Mark Todd hitting the horse with a stick, which is completely you know, is, is not allowed. Nobody wants to see that and nobody is saying that's okay. But, 
you know, the Stephen Mahan case, the details of that took a little bit of time to read. You have to click through to an article and actually read detail. And honestly, Kevin, people just don't do that in this day and age. Trust yeah. me when I say, just to be clear here, Stephen Mahan letterhalls be so starved. It ate its own flesh. Think about that, right? Really think about that, listeners. Yeah. And then think about if you saw a video of that on Twitter, we all know what the reaction would have been. But no one's seen the video. And, you know, that's because of the way we're consuming content at the moment. So it's like the Stephen Martin case. There was disgusting detail, revolting stuff that makes my stomach ch like turn. Right. Mm. But because of the way the modern young people in this industry are consuming this sort of content, that this has, you know, and, and the Gordon Elliott picture has reacted, you know, has had such a response because of the modern day we live in and the platforms yeah. we're seeing all this content on. Tony Calvin, you're um, obviously you were quite exercised about this at the weekend. A lot of people were. Um, what's your view on this? I've listened to what you, you what you've all said, and you're just trying to make excuses for something that's totally inexcusable. Now, this guy. Oh, hold on! I didn't make any excuse, Tony. No, no, but you're you're qualifying and saying, "Oh, you didn't see what happened before or after," and you know, but and, yeah, but, con and, but context is yeah, but you can't too. relate it to other more significant cases. But yeah, we all know we've all we've all sat here and talked about the Stephen Marlon case. I mean, this guy. What really worries me is he's doing this an eventing clinic. I, I don't know what an eventing clinic is, but presumably it's how to teach people with these kind of horses. How to, how, to, how to make their horses, you know, react better and more tractable in these kind of situations. If he's doing this when he know in a public place, when he knows it's being filmed, picking up a six foot branch and smacking it eight or nine times and, and, and getting a cheer at the end of it from presumably people who, who, who have a vested interest in the horses on show and may even be one of their horses. It just is absolutely sickening. And what, what really concerns me is, is some of the reaction on Twitter, the likes of David Redford's and, and, and the people who've liked his comments of that saying, oh, oh, this is just a, a clickbait nonsense in, in response to what Matt Chapman said on Racing Debate. It's kind of like they can't see the bigger picture about how this looks. I mean, just don't qualify it, just condemn it. Don't, don't say, oh, yeah, be, you know, he's, if he had the proper equipment, etc. He picked up a bloody big branch and hit that eight or nine times. The way that looks to the wider public is totally unacceptable, and we'll come on to it now. In how the BHA um, can just sit on their ass on Sunday uh, about this uh, and just say, oh, we're looking into it. Give me two minutes. Give me a phone. I'll call up Mark to Mark Todd. When did it happen? Were you a licensed trainer when it happened? Very probably yes, because he's had a license since 2019. Um, you know, how, how many times have you done this before? Uh, do you regret what you've done? Um, you know, uh, what you, what you, you know, it just, it just absolutely defies belief how, how people can even begin to, um, you know, just even qualify that kind of treatment. It's they just, everyone should come out and condemn it. And the, the pressure come out, the racing post today, how, and, and how everybody handled the Gordon Elliott uh, case, for example, everyone went overboard on that. We were a bit more, you know, we, we held back a bit there, just and hopefully saw the wider picture before everyone else did. And I just wonder whether that's in people, the back of people's minds. We can't go too hard on this because it's a really bad look for the sport. And, you know, and I just... I, mean, I, just, I don't I just, find I, it's probably I, not... I, I, just, I, just, I, just, I just, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And uh, I, I, I put um, a Facebook uh, explanation of what happened before and after that incident uh, to the WhatsApp yesterday. And it does, it does put it into kind of context. But it's like the Bryony Frost, Robbie Dunn scenario. It's kind of like people say, oh, yeah, but she was a bit wayward about horses. It doesn't excuse the actions whatsoever. You know, I don't care if David Reverend said, oh, he's a brilliant horseman. You know, he's, he's an example to us all. No, he isn't. If he's an example to us all, he is the worst example there. It's like the Kurt Zuma scenario. Does anybody really believe that's the one and only time he's been, he's been cruel to his cat? Yeah, again, though, it's they're different things, Tony. Like, like the 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 Zuma, like uh, you know, that that's that that is he abuses animal and was laughing about it and sends it around on social media. That's a different thing. People were laughing, laughing and cheering at this after after we sit in the yeah, yeah, they're, 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 it's it, there's it, it's a it's a method. You might like the method, Tony, but it, it's you know they're, they're trying to get the horse to do the right thing. 
Yeah. You know, and he didn't have the right equipment to do it. He improvised. He did the wrong thing. That's but, right. you know, it was it was out of a goal of getting Before the you go on, the right there, was a, there was an excellent piece by Ross Miller on Racing Debate. You've probably seen it. And he and he absolutely nailed it for me uh, about what should have happened. You know, he basically, if he hasn't got the equipment, don't do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I agree. I, I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, the overriding point here, because we could go down a rabbit hole here again, uh, you know, um, uh, the overriding point for me here again is the regulatory body, um, you know, treating two individuals very differently. And I, you know, again, I, I, I'm struggling here to understand what the, what the logical process is between the reaction to what Sir Mark Todd did and the reaction to what Gordon Elliott did. And I, 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 I it, it just, it kind of I mean, it's, not, it's not as simple as it's just not as simple though is it because uh, for all the obvious reasons e.g he wasn't doing yes he's a licensed trainer but he wasn't having anything to do with racehorses when that footage was taken uh, but no but i'm just saying it's not as simple for the bha like i know you guys are frustrated with them for not acting quicker for their response but it's it they are in a trickier spot it's not their sport it's not their care it's not under their ruling and it's not one of their horses yeah, so I, I, I suppose is, the thing is, is, it, is like you're, you're you're dealing with a, a rate bringing racing into disrepute yeah you, you are know? but where does it sit on that scale yeah, but because the incident well, is as high as you sit? can get I don't know. I disagree. I don't think it is as high as is. No, I disagree too. That's what does, I'm saying. Does anybody, okay. does any, so I've, I've got the underlying impression here. Do, so you just don't. You, you do you think he was being? Do you would you fall that under cruelty to animals? You wouldn't. Absolutely would you? not. No. No. Absolutely well, not. I'm stuck. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Lads, we 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 leave it there because honestly, we yeah, but no, but, that, but that's the thing here because I, I I feel we, we we can lose perspective in these cases. You know, cruelty to animals, me Tony, is a horse been left tied up on the side of the road starving, Great. or or been left with a broken leg in a stable. Yeah. You know yeah. that that that's cruelty. You know that that's that 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 would bring a tear to my eye. Like that that's that's really upsetting. Like a horse. Look, it looked horrendous, but a horse getting a hit around the arse a couple of times with a branch. You know, it, in terms of what that horse is feeling, now, like, are, are we a million miles away from what a horse experiences in a race with a stick? Look, completely different thing. But in terms of is this cruelty? Like, absolutely not. Like, the notion that that horse went home okay. and cried itself to sleep that night, you know, no, yeah, just, think, doesn't, just think, doesn't register with me. Like, no, I think, you know, horse, okay. You know, I think the fact that, you know, you see the horse in the wide, in the bigger video. Uh, you know, trotting off after it's jumped into the water, like you know, you like that horse see. is fine. Yeah, like that horse is that fine. Horse is fine. But, you know, you have to do a lot. You have to do. You have to do an awful I, lot. I do more take what you're saying. Horse. I just fundamentally disagree. But what I was, and it's really interesting. Some of the reaction is that obviously Gordon Elliott wasn't a welfare situation whatsoever, and there are people saying the Gordon Elliott situation is worse than is worse than this now. I know it's not a black and white scenario, but I, I struggle to get my head around that as well. I mean, if that was my horse and someone sat on it after it died, it's obviously ridiculous and it's obviously as insensitive and as crash as you'll get. But would I rather that than picking up a branch and eating eight or nine times? In front of a in front of a public who were laughing and cheering on uh, at the end of it. I don't no. just just to caveat that laughing and cheering, Tony. I don't think they're laughing. They're not laughing and cheering at the incident. They're, they're, the the cheer, I believe, from what I've read and understand from picking this up, is that the horse had a problem jumping into water yes. prior to this clinic. And so the fact that through whatever method, whether you agree with it or not, the horse then jumped into water. They're not cheering because some man's hitting a horse, Tony. They're no, cheering no. because the horse has finally gone through with what the rider and the clinic and the teacher was there to try and help the horse right. achieve. Te and okay. The like, idea that's a teaching clinic and he does that, he's happy to do that in a teaching clinic in front of other people. Okay. Really okay. worries well, me guys, about what he's I doing. Know, I know. And there is... There's 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 there is a clear divide, obviously, between how Tony feels and how uh, Vanessa and Kevin feel. And, and uh, you know what? There's a clear divide right across the board, uh, I'm sure, for a lot of people, how this is. So let's yeah, just see and just, what happens. Just quickly, Hugh, on, on, on the points about Gordon, like, I suppose this is the problem you create when the authorities set the bar where they did with the Gordon incident. You know, yeah, an incident yeah. where, like Tony says, like, no horse was harmed. It was extremely crass yeah. and distasteful and disrespectful, but no horse was in any way, shape or form harmed. And then you have yeah. a situation like this where the perception could be a horse is being harmed and people will ine inevitably say well gordon got six months what should this guy get 
you know, okay. whatever about making the comparisons, it does make you wonder, like, it was Gordon's punishment proportionate. I know some people would think you should have got life, etc. But we, we can lose perspective um, when emotions are high. And um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a very tricky one for the BHA. Well, well just, the, the just very, quickly, set. very quickly, apparently he's, he was a patron of horse, horse race welfare or, or a world horse race welfare. And he's mm. apparently he's resigned from that today. So it clearly has wider ramifications. I, I totally get about the context, but I don't think the context, as we said, as we said before, I don't think it excuses these actions. And I, and I think racing should condemn them categorically. And the BHA, should, that, that man has got a runner at, okay. at, at Lingfield on Friday. Okay, all right. Um, and by the way, yeah, and just on the Stephen Mann thing, you're absolutely right about that. And anybody who had anything to do with Stephen Mann or, you know, that should never be in a position to talk about racing ever again, full stop, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, right, let's yeah, move yeah. on. Um, so, um, Tony, um, we've had uh, Damien Murray's in. This is all your list of questions. Um, so, Tony, why did Betfair remove the best odds guaranteed on multiples? Where is the survey and how does this benefit customers? Well, look, um, so Betfair, basically, um, in order to... Uh, assess and to analyze what best suits the customers and what the customers want most from and um, the return from booking company obviously would would, would take in-depth studies on this and um, across around about in this instance 4,500 customers who they would regularly test and yeah. these type of propositions with so there are obviously invitations are sent out randomly i think 450 on this topic went out last week yeah. alone and um, and so that the best odds guaranteed on multiples are removed in this case and the clientele and the specific um, customers that were surveyed expressed a view that they would prefer to have, for example, more daily rewards, extra places mm -hmm. on races every day, money back specials, uh, such as whether the weekend, odds boosts, and um, 20 pounds of multiples, get a free five pound bet, et cetera, rather than keeping best odd guaranteed on multiples. And it's the feedback from these specific customers yeah. and clients that guides their decision, TC, right? Yeah, I mean, when I looked into it and just got the details that you got there. I was surprised at the, the level of interaction. So if you've got four and a half thousand people that you're canvassing their views, then you know, you, you've got to listen to them. That's a fair representation. I was surprised that uh, the people voted the way they did. Knowing the knowing punters that I do, I think they'd like, you know, we, we want all the daily rewards. We want the extra free bets, et cetera, but we also want the bet fair, the, 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 the bet odds guaranteed as well. So it's always a trade-off in these things. Um, yeah. I, I don't get best odds guaranteed anywhere. In fact, some firms two or three years ago even dropped the double result concession uh, to all their customers. So I think in all of this, I mean, we, we would like all these concessions in addition to getting what we want on, but we've got to live in a real world. And that if if their customer's representation says that, it surprises me. But then again, yeah, they, they've got four or five different add-ons that they didn't have before as a, as a result of that. So yeah, um, Okay. It's like I say, it's it, when it, when you're out there, you you got to remember all these best odds guarantees, double results, etc. They are they are add-ons that the bookmakers don't need to give. And I did ask around other bookmakers about this, and they said we would like to do the same. Be perfectly honest with you. And what at the moment with the small fields, the overrounds aren't aren't great for for the bookmakers as well. So we all should start crying there. But yeah, it, it surprised me. But given that given the, the level of uh, communication there with the customers and all the list of the pluses they get, then that's what, that's what the, that's it's curtains, what the it's curtains for me and my, my short price, short price uh, tells that. Anyway, I'm going to have to rethink my betting strategy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, you, but when, you, when you stick up a horse, they only shorten, they never drift. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie says the Supreme Novice is shaping up to be a great race do you think Willie will run two personally I think Sir Garrett goes to Ballymore and do you think Constitution Hill the form looks dodgy albeit he's been very visually impressive thanks love the show um, cheers Bernie um, is the Constitution Hill form dodgy I don't yeah. think I'd go so far well, he's visually, visually very good but you can, you could trust someone's if he's beaten for sure well Jetual yeah. who, who beat finished last in the bet for Hurdle if you're that's looking, true if you're looking at that it clinically true. like that yeah. yeah, so dice are dynamo for me, but more I look at it more, I think, if Sir Gerard goes with the Ballymore. Uh, Greg Kelly says, does the English novice form look dodgy now, considering the bet for yesterday? Well, yeah, probably does, after um, the last place horse and finishing up behind Constitution Hill. And the final fence is, where does Nichols go at Clande's elbow after yesterday? Anyone know? The bowl, the bowl with blinkers on. Okay, great. So the Aintree Bowl, brilliant. Okay, good stuff. 
Um, well, we've had I, a lot I, of questions. I'm saying that like I know that's what he's doing. I obviously don't. Know that's what he's doing. No, no, he, he told Barry this morning. That, that's the oh, right. There you go. Sorry. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, to Tony Deacon, it says, have Equine Sports become un- indefensible? Um, are we all now complicit in sporting them? How many more pictures and videos and um, panorama drugs, etc.? Um, I know Kevin has written this before, but the way the world is now, with every scandal and video that appears, do you think concerns about the long-term future and survival of support, particularly the national hunt racing in this country? Liam says, with the current tide of public opinion swaying against racing, the image of the sport taking a continuous battering, does the sport need to be maybe try to distance itself um, from links with blood sports such as hunting and coursing? Uh, and Timmy, does receiving a knighthood automatically mean you will uh, turn out to be a wrong one? Well, that's a different <laughs> issue altogether. Well, we Hugh, when are you get getting your knighthood? <laughs> the day I am knighted, Vanessa, is the day they have got the wrong Hugh, like the one trending on Twitter <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a tricky thing, Hugh, because like, like we've talked about it before. I just think the, the divide between people that know what's involved in working with, with large animals and those that don't, you know, it's just getting bigger and bigger and, and, and situations like we spoke about a few minutes ago are just going to kind of exasperate it. Um, and I don't know what the solution is because it, it's just, it, it's a tough one. You know, we're going to face more and more difficulties going forward because um, the, I suppose the reality of modern society is most people's kind of sole interaction with animals, you know, are their pets, um and maybe at and the zoo TikTok. you know and it's it's just it's just different and when you're when you're working with large animals such as thoroughbreds you know they're they're it's just as it, it's unfortunately it's not as simple as asking them to do what yeah. you want them to do no, I, I, I know what i said earlier i i do get that and i don't work with animals i wouldn't go anywhere near a horse they scare the life out of me i i, I do get that but i think when people come out in these situations a bit seem to be doing wrong they need to be punished. Yeah, hundred percent. And look, and look, I think, yeah. I think it just, it just hammers home the reality that that everyone involved just needs to be so, um, so aware of of public perception. And yeah. you know, in that situation, like like as mentioned, like if Sir Mark Todd went in, and this was, I know, it was two years ago, and the world's probably different now than it was then, even. Um, but you, you you got to have the right equipment if you're if you're in a situation like that, and you know everyone has their cameras up, etc. And like I said, that that like that 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 branch wasn't needed. You know, if he had a lunch with he could. And when I say tap tap, I'm not saying tap tap to to underplay a whack. I literally mean tap tap tap. Mm. You know that yeah. that's all that's needed in those situations generally. It's it's irritating it's just, for them. They react to it. it just looked, what you want yeah, them to do. I think it what got people. It just looked primitive. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it yeah. looked ugly. It looked ugly. Okay. No what about um, does, um, racing? Spry has said um, he'd love the team team's thoughts on, on the six fifty at Chelmsford last Friday. Cliffs of Fury ride seemed like uh, a bit of a handbrake job. I mean, was this a problem? Did, did you even go back and have a look at this? Um, yeah, I did. Um, it was a two hundred and fifty to one chance. Um, having his third start for a handicap mark, ridden by presumably a relation of the trainer. He was only having his eleventh ride. It looked it looked poor. It looked very similar to that um, JP horse. Was it at Limerick? Where he's yeah, a very, an experienced rider. rider. Uh, yeah, an experienced rider would have won on the horse. I said I would suggest that's probably the case again here. But again, you have to. The stewards did look into it. Asked the trainer. He said he was happy with the ride. I mean, he would if he's a relation of the jockey. But I, I think it, I think it's an inexperienced jockey. Put a, put a, an experienced jockey on it. I think it probably wins. But then again, if you're back in a you've only. It's pro, I think. Yeah, I, I I just thought it like very similar, like you say to that JP Hills Tony. It looked as though he just like didn't have the strength to ride yeah. out a finish. Yeah. Like he looked like he was holding yeah. on at that stage rather than having mm-hmm. any ability. What I have you and um, <laughs> TC Dave Bradshaw wants to know your thoughts on in running laying betting strategies in principle. Obviously, get how it works, but in practice, what does a typical example look like? Uh, I do this quite a lot. Um, if I think someone's going to get an easy lead, I might back it beforehand, uh, and if it if it gets a if it does get an uncontested way out front, I, I might lay it back pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other ways to do it. There's obviously, if you've got a horse as a really strong traveler in a race, you might back it beforehand. And when it's tanking through the race, you might lay it back at a shorter price. Conversely, yeah. there's, a, there's a later back as well. A classic example of that, I'm probably at Cheltenham, a lot of people might be saying it. And I'll qualify this by saying, once, once, a, once a pattern is known, punters click onto it very quickly and the value disappears. But for example, a lot of people might be laying Paisley Park before, before the uh, stairs hurdle. And when mm-hmm. he, when he, when he jumps off yeah, slowly or, or trades, you know, and, and doesn't travel too kindly in the first mile of his race, they'll look to 
backing back yeah. a bigger price for, for a free bet. So there's many ways of doing it, but I'll, I'll yeah. have a chat with Dave at some point. And just as an extension, an extension of that as well, my strategy, Dave, just if you're interested, is that <laughs> whatever, whatever Daniel Barber naps on racing only better on a Friday, if it's 10 lengths clear jumping the last, I lay it for every single <laughs> penny I can get on it. So it's going to be chinned on the line. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you could have been Clover, Coeur de Leon trading at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Man, uh, Mush Barber. Do you remember Mush from that? What was it? The Bronx Tale. You know, the man, every time he goes to the racing horse and he'd hold up his dock and the horse would be 20 legs steer, they'd all tear it up. Mush, and can't. He's no chance now. That's Dan Barber. He's our Mush. Um, Nathan Hull says, Why are so many complaints about honeysuckle and the mayor's allowance? You never hear, hear it mentioned uh, for the flat. It's more gripes with weight for age being too much at times. The main argument seems to be for getting rid of the mayor's allowance and not even just reducing it. And Andy McGahey says, What do you think? of a Stuart Williams racehorse trainer suggestion that the mayor should lose their allowance after they beat the boys once. We've talked about this before. Yeah. We're all in favour of it. And it's the breeders at the side, Kev, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it does get mentioned on the flat, you know, when a, when a real Enable. mayor comes up. Um, yeah. Exactly. Enable. It's a smaller allowance on the flat. On the flat. Um, and look, I think there is, there is a discussion to be had there. You know, they increased it from £5 to £7. Um, you know, I don't know, it's kind of 10 plus years ago. Um, and it might be worth revisiting because look, they've done it's done the, the mayor's program coupled with the allowance has done an exceptional job of getting more mayors in training and more high class mayors knocking around. And sure, look, there, there comes a time when you review these things. I don't know if yeah. it's been officially considered, but I, I assume it will be in the not too distant future. If, if Ken's got a lot of mayors at Golden any one time, it ain't changing anytime soon. We yeah. know that much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> The power broker that is. Joseph C says, Kevin, any thoughts on switching Fakir to Derry's back hurdling? Felt he hasn't been respecting his fences and the John Durkin and a Thurlis last time. He's still got class. The champion hurdle division is so weak. I wouldn't fancy taking on Alaho in the Ryanair. But he's entered in the Betfair, I'm um, sorry, at Ascot this weekend, isn't he? Fact yeah, I think he's, think he's going to run there and he wouldn't necessarily be a certainty to go to Cheltenham. He might go straight to Aintree. But I, yeah. I, I can see why you'd say it, but you know, don't look back at his hurdle form. You know, it's... It was um it was a long Average. way behind what he ended up doing over fences and maybe he could translate yeah. a, a higher level back to hurdles but um I think it just uh, his jumping was a small bit lippy the last twice and um, the first mm. hurdles might be heavy on Saturday yeah might hopefully yeah. He, hopefully yeah. He gets back to um to what we know he can do on Saturday and put in a more fluent round but um yeah, yeah I don't Fair think enough. in short I don't think it would be considered short term anyway. The Milky Bar Kid says, what's going on with the cost of attending racing in the UK? I've never paid more than 30 euro in Ireland. And looking at any relatively big price day in the UK is 50 pounds plus just to be able to see the finish line. Has it always been this bad? I think it probably has always been this bad. But in Ireland, you pay 30 euros and you're lucky to get some yolk selling you a Toblerone bar. In England, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Toblerone ladies, they're lovely women. Sorry, I don't know why they're there. It always confuses me every time I go racing. I just don't understand why someone is trying to shove a Toblerone bar down my neck. Buy, right? buy one, they're delicious. I, I'm quite relieved you said down your neck there. What are you going to yeah. say something else? And it's only a Toblerone bar, so maybe I should just yeah. be happy about that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, and then in England, you pay a bit more because you might get some artisan noodles or something, you know, that basically. Yeah. Um, you want so drugs? Vegan sausage rolls. Toblerone, Toblerone, the only chocolate where it's actually physically possible to kill somebody with uh, the Toblerone bar. And Jim Foley says, yeah, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, in all seriousness, I actually do think that racing is too expensive over here in the UK. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. people can, it's much cheaper in Ireland and people complain a lot about it in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. John Fogarty says one for the uninitiated. When pundits say that a horse needs to go up or down and trip, what is it that they're seeing in a horse that makes them come to that conclusion? But if the horse is tired, I presume uh, at the finish they need to come down. Or if they if they're jogging, to, if they're sprinting to the line after two miles and look like they go ground again, that is it as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, sure. It's a lot of, it's multifaceted. This now, but like for me, like it's about the, the cruising speed they're comfortable at. You know, if they're yeah. if they're not comfortable going the speed that they, they're being asked to go over a mile. You know, they may be more comfortable going going ten, or if you know they're over racing over a mile, they may be more comfortable going seven. You know that the yeah, cruising speed enough. is a bit. People focus on finishing effort, um, assessing trips, but I, I put a lot of focus on kind of cruising speed mid race. Tell him to email Willie Mullins if he gets a, if yeah. he gets an answer. Pass it on. Yeah. They might <laughs> know what his horses are going for at Cheltenham then. Pass it on. Lots of love at wadein.ie. Right, Bradley Limo says, with the festival just weeks away, everyone's trying to second guess what horses run in which races. My question is, how much input comes from the owners or the trainers at the final say? Well, Willie has the final say in every horse in his yard. Um, even the likes of Rich Richie, I'd say, are suitably um, spoken to and when and where. Um, I guess it all depends on the trainer and the owner and the relationship that they have. So it's quite subjective, I'd say. There isn't a blanket rule there. I'll say JP has, I think, I think JP will probably have a, a big Probably. Say. 
probably. Um, Rob Bain says, is it time to ditch Hunter Chasers with professional trainers cleaning up uh, these up with Chasers rated 130 plus, which they certainly weren't invented for? Yeah, chasers? they're definitely not doing the job they were once there to do, are no. they? But no, Which yeah. is a bit of a shame, but I don't know if that should be looked Na- at. I don't think you should scrap yeah. them. National yeah, Hunt exactly. Racing in game having having moved on, but program not adjusted to, yes. to accordingly. Yes. Sensation. Ken, question for you on one of Joseph's horse. Mighty, is Mighty Blue still on track for the Mayor's Novice at Cheltenham after unseating on Saturday? This is the same colours as and the guys had a horse called Red Tea, I remember three yeah, years ago. That's was, the one, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the same colours here. Mighty Blue, is she going to Cheltenham? Yeah, a bit disappointing the other day now, but it was her first run back. So yeah, I'd imagine she'll she'll still end up there if all's okay. Okay, good stuff. Paul Robinson, for big festival, should horses only be allowed one entry in graded races? Would be much easier to sell and promote the races. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, Paul, curling up in a ball, yeah. shaking at the top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make the bingo, it make the bingo a lot easier, all right. But um, yeah, I do, I do get the frustration of it, but it'll never ever happen. And trainers have to be allowed options as well, you know, based on situations as they present themselves. And um, Tom Yeoman says, um, several paws were moaning about horses missing the bet for hurdle and lieu of heading to Cheltenham for a lower value race. If I owned a horse, I'd do that. Cheltenham is the be all and end all of jumps racing. Owners are wealthy and uh, people syndicates. Yeah. I don't know what other pods Tom is on about. I thought we were the only racing pod. We pretty much are, Vanessa. We pretty much are. Okay. Um, Johnny Two says, why do the UK racing press refuse to mention the Wesley Ward drugs violations just been suspended again in the USA, yet piling in on Bob Baffert case? Ward has had more offences. Kev, Johnny? Yeah, I had no idea about that. Shine yeah. some light somewhere. He's, um, the case was he got the Kentucky Horse Racing Authority banned him for uh, finding weeks, 500... Five hundred dollars, and they banned him for a month. It's been it's been oh. downgraded to two weeks for a horse um, uh, testing positive for metformin, which is a, basically a diabetes drug. So I'm not sure what kind of medication how that got in there, but oh, a lot of random great. drugs seem to get into American horses, don't they? It's a, it's a yeah, absolutely. Ronan McGinley, last question says, "Will home by the knee run in the stairs? Two good runs this year, and an open stairs surely would have a squeak on it." Eighties, come on, the knee. Jeez, yeah, Ronan, I hope for your sake it goes. I hope for your sake it goes. Possibility now. There's a view that he might he might prefer smaller fields, but I'd say there's a good chance he could turn up. I mean, that, when that question came in, I had a look and I thought, yeah, because he was actually giving weight to Raw Kahala as well, mm. wasn't he? Yeah, it's just yeah. not the most kind of gifted jumper. He can be a bit kind of ponderous, and in a bigger field, he can find himself getting shuffled back. Um, yeah. But yeah, there'll be, them, Kev. there'll be seven runners. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, Tell Joe to okay. school that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I will do it now. <laughs> Thank you to all our listeners, as always, for your questions. Uh, we do appreciate it. My thanks to Kevin, to TC, and Vanessa. And Vanessa, I, I, I'm good friends with Joe Rogan. I don't know if you've don't heard of him. Don't ask me out on a date. Whatever you're I'm not asking you. you. I'm not asking you. I text Joe Rogan this morning, and I know you're not feeling well, and we think it might be, we might, we think it might be COVID. And Joe Rogan says, take loads of Invermectin and that you use for the horses, and you'll be absolutely fine within a couple of days. So that's the official <laughs> medical advice from Joe Rogan. Just, just one thing. Okay. I think I, I think I may have mistaken about the non one no bet from tomorrow. I think it might be one o'clock now, rather than 10 for the non one no bet. But okay. check, check that. Do check that. Okay, my thanks to CC, to Kevin, and to Vanessa. We are back with, with Racing Only Better on Thursday, looking ahead to the weekend. Do join us then.